There's Daniel. There he is. Daddy has arrived. <laughs> Let me take that back. <clears throat> Welcome, Secret Movie Clubbers. I am amped. Why am I amped? Probably because we were just talking for 20 minutes about movies I'm amped about for our November 2021 episode. But now we are talking about Secret Movie Club Podcast 79. Man, next one will be 80. Uh, we are calling this our Hollywood. This, and Connor, by the way, is the one who coined the moniker for this. Our Halloween hangover episode in which we take stock of all the horror movies uh, that we just screened in October. And we talk about just what a rich, vast genre horror is because it can just create so many subgenres. And I've said this before, but I often find that horror to me is one of the most misunderstood genres of all the genres of film, because I think when you say horror, people often think, oh, right, I know what that is, sort of shock scares and gore. And and actually horror has easily, I would say, 10 to 20 subgenres. I would actually posit that horror may be the richest genre that cinema has ever produced. It's like a, an ocean on the moon of Europa, a Jupiter moon, that the frozen cover belies an ocean beneath of richness and profundity. And who's with us today? Hey, it's Daniel. It's me, Connerly Cruz, the people's champion. Hello, America. I'm still here. And I am Craig, the founder, programmer of Secret Movie Club. When you hear this episode, tonight we will be in full swing in our partnership with the Guadalajara Film Festival. We are super excited about this. Today and tomorrow we're showing three Latinx-focused subject movies. We're really honored. The whole point of Secret Movie Club is to grow a community of movie lovers and movie makers. And the only way you do that is alliances and partnerships and showing movies that represent all experience. And tonight we are doing two LGBTQ-themed Latinx movies. The first is Finlandia, about the subculture of mooches in Mexican society. They are a transgender subculture that actually often play a very medicinal and familial role in Mexican Pueblo society, followed by a very famous documentary from 1991, Jenny Livingston's Paris is Burning, about the African-American and Latinx voguing and ball scene in 1980s New York, which was happening defiantly and concurrently with the AIDS epidemic. And then tomorrow we are doing Backstreet to the American Dream. All these movies are here at the Secret Movie Club Theater. Backstreet to the American Dream talks about the parallel tracks of food truck culture here in Los Angeles, the immigrant food truck culture, which has been around since immigrants in Los Angeles have been around and then was co-opted as almost everything is by white hipster society. Come see a documentary by Patricia Nazario, a NPR journalist, her documentary filmmaker who captures the heart of this conflict in Los Angeles culture. And then uh, next Wednesday, we are doing Fassbender's Germany in Autumn. He made a 10-minute short film. We're just showing his short film. We're not showing the whole movie. And then we're showing his feature-length third generation about his feelings about the Red Army faction, Bader-Meinhof gang, a very left-wing communist guerrilla or terrorist organization, depending on your viewpoint. Fassbender himself agreed with many of the points of conflict that the Red Army faction and the Bader-Meinhof 
Kalashnikov gang identified in contemporary German culture, but he completely disagreed with their tactics. He thought they were a bunch of clowns who set back progressive agendas by 20 years with their ill thought out kidnappings of industrialists that always ended up in failure and embarrassment. So Fassbender, as he always did, pissed off everybody. Come see that on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we are doing for Veterans Day, the best years of our lives. One of my favorite William Wyler movies, one best picture in 1946. I think the last movie that Citizen Kane cinematographer Greg Toland ever shot about veterans returning home from World War II, the last war that most people, probably the last war that the four of us would agree was a war that should have been fought. It's a movie you can look at and understand the veteran experience. I think the way it should be understood, it's an amazing film. And then we'll talk about the rest of our November schedule and our calendar episode in next podcast. And uh, just so you know, Secret Movie Clubbers, starting November 4th, we are going to enforce a policy we think is very smart social policy. I stand behind this. If you want to come see a movie, you do have to show us proof of vaccination. It can be a physical vaccination card or a virtual vaccination card. Just have it ready at the door or a negative PCR COVID test. We will also accept for folks who want to show us that, but we will need proof of that at the door. And that test has to be uh, verified as having been conducted within the last three days prior to the screening. As always, go to secretmovieclub.com and Eventbrite, secretmovieclub.com to get tickets. Email us at, at community at secretmovieclub.com. Uh, but email us and Daniel will answer it and then he'll forward on the ones where people are angry at me. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> So today we are talking about the Halloween hangover. I don't have a hangover. I'm still high. I'm still buzzed. I have a COVID booster shot hangover. Halloween hangover, horror as a genre, all the subgenres. Connor, I want you to start. Oh my God. Horror. I like horror. That's like if you look around my place, you're like, this guy likes horror and comic books and, and dogs. Not having women over, I guess. <laughs> But I got to watch this last week. You actually screened three of my favorites. I got to see them all for the first time on the big screen. Stuart Gordon's From Beyond, which you had never seen before at all. No, and you were right. It's a wild, spicy movie. I also got to watch the first Halloween on our actual big Halloween, Halloween Halloween-a-thon. What was it, like the first time it's been screened in film in L.A. in 10 years? We got a bunch of our regulars informed us that this is a very hard thing to see presented on film. And for whatever it's worth, guys, Milestone, uh, we had 600 people. That now, that day was the largest audience Secret Movie Club's ever had. And then then Evil Dead 2, my co- favorite movie it's basically tied with the first evil dead yeah and then i also like just ate s-h-i-t walking up some of those stairs at the million dollar theater and i got a bruise on my shin right now (laughs) it was a super fun week yeah i just love horror and all the things it can do i totally agree with you craig i'm not going to name names though you can probably figure this out by deduction but the dean who was the dean at afi while i was there for only the few years that i was there he's like a german guy and i remember him saying something once after we watched a short where he was like you know you never see i'm not gonna do an accent you never see comedy and horror put together (laughs) he he made that claim yeah and i remember me and my buddy paul like looked at each other like what is he talking about because i think there is this weird thing people like will try to fight against the idea of horror i remember when it came out and people and people have joked about it 
but people tried to say that it chapter one was a uh, psychological thriller with supernatural elements. I just remember being like, you mean a, you mean a horror movie? There's a shorter, there's a shorter <laughs> word for that. It's called a horror. The classification of horror is so interesting because it's one of the few subgenre classifications that people are adamant define the thing to a point that I know sometimes I won't say names, but I have friends that'll be like, well, is this a horror movie or is it a thriller? Is it a horror movie? Oh, is it gory or is it just scary? When it comes to genres, I'm very big tent in that I like to apply a lot of genres to one movie as opposed to trying to find the one that fits, if that makes sense. To me, if you're having the question, is it a horror movie? Is it a thriller? It's probably both. Horror drama, Don't Look Now. If you've never seen Don't Look Now, that's literally a drama about the loss of a child that is also a crazy horror movie. And it works on both levels. In fact, in a weird way, and of course, I'm not going to give it away, but the climax of that movie, which is shocking also pays off the drama part of it in sort of an amazing way. Talk about horror comedy. One of my favorite movies of all time is Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. You know, what Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 is to you, Connor, and I love those movies, by the way. I love those movies. But what Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, I feel, is to you and how personally you love it, Dead Alive is to me. When I saw Dead Alive, that was like a revelation. I was like, wait, you can make a movie that almost makes you throw up, makes you laugh, has amazing special effects, is an incredible wild ride, has a strangely heartwarming and innocent love story, and gets rated X. You can do that? And Peter Jackson did that. And that, to me, I was like, this is cinema. That's like another tangent about how many horror directors have branched out into broad stuff. Peter Jackson did Lord of the Rings. Sam Raimi did Spider-Man. James Gunn now has done the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I think you could argue Steven Spielberg cut his bones a little bit on horror, and then can do anything. And I think maybe this, not that we're trying to prove anything, but horror directors, because they understand that horror encompasses all genres, I think are comfortable with all genres. You don't necessarily see a drama, though, director necessarily, or a comedy director going the other way. It'll be a cold day in hell before Wes Anderson makes like a (laughs) true genre film. That SNL sketch was funny, though. Horror is such a cool thing, because horror is, I think, for young filmmakers horror we've talked many times about it but it's such an accessible exciting genre to get into because it's something that you feel like you can you can make as much as you intake and all of the things i think we sometimes when we're trying to critically think about a movie we sometimes go after a movie on horror has like this great quality where sometimes the charm of quote-unquote bad which is not it's not bad it's just you know it's not your taste is forgiven i think it's the most forgiven type of film in this really lovely way where people just love it all if it's bad it's actually great because it is doing something so bad that it's like this perfect little singular entity and i think we did such a cool i mean we're like patting ourselves in the back but i think (laughs) we had a very great eclectic all over the board type of taste stuff like from beyond to doing like Sleepy Hollow, sort of like some wider stuff and then getting spending Halloween with the hits, but also like some of the cult hits, like seeing people's reaction to getting to watch House on the big screen or seeing the massive crowd for Halloween and the way they react to everything. We've been back in theaters for a few months now, but I think horror really brings out the like community aspect where you're like, oh, we're back in theaters. Like this is very cool. And seeing people at 1230 at night to watch Evil Dead 2 and beam out into the lobby just on top of the world 
to go find their car in downtown Los Angeles is is a tough thing to beat. What a month, man. What a month for movies, horror, adventure, action, horror, danger, movies. I'll tell you, man, a a lot of weird things happen, you know? At the club, at the million dollar, at the new Bev, that marathon, which I regret. <laughs> Two movies that sucked. Two movies were decent. Well, except for one that was really good, which I will buy. But it was so fun to see Halloween on the big screen. A movie that I worship a lot. And I got to see it with John Carpenter at USC. Well, one time, which it was only for college students, and me and my friend just happened to just snuck right in. It was an honor. And also seeing Evil Dead on the big screen, hearing Bruce Campbell say one of the most badass lines in cinema history. Workshed. The wor- <laughs> let, me, let me finish, Connor. One of Bruce Campbell's most memorable lines in movie history. Groovy. And also, I got to see a little bit of Twin Peaks Firewalk Me, and then I, I know what happens, and, and uh, I'll save it for pop culture later on. You came out befuddled from Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me. You, you had a look of utter confusion on your face. I, I needed answers. I, need, I, I needed a guidance. I needed to know. I needed to find out what the hell just happened. And, there are uh, no answers in Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me. I know there isn't. I know there isn't. Yeah, I realized I made one of the most unintentionally erroneous statements of my life when you looked at me and you were like, do you need to know a lot about Twin Peaks to see this? And I was like, no, you'll be fine. <laughs> and then I was like, oh. At the end of it, I was like, Edwin probably was like, who's this guy? Why is she giving him the journal? What's up with Bob? There was like a family there with like a, a teenager and they bought tickets to Firewalk with me, and then they from somebody else, and they immediately, for some reason, they turned to me, and they were like, "Is this is Twin Peaks Firewalk with me appropriate for a fourteen-year-old? Does it have a lot of sex stuff in it?" And I was like, <laughs> and then we had to, yeah, refund them. I and I, I felt horrible. I was, yeah, I, I had to explain to them. I, I was like, I want you to be here. The dad was saying, you know, I used to go to theaters downtown all the time, and we chose the, and why wouldn't you? The seven forty-five. Saturday night to re- go back into a movie palace and I was like unfortunately sir I've programmed Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me the harshest movie we're showing today which is a transcendent horror that also is a metaphor for incest and the trauma that incest racks on a life and I just don't know that you're going to want to watch that with your wife and your child and he was like I don't think I do want to watch that with my wife and my child <laughs> I was like I, well here's the refund one of the ways that we tried to program October as you guys are hinting is we tried to do international horror so we did like Henri Georges Clouseau's Le Diabolique from the 1950s. We did Kim Ji Woon's I Saw the Devil from South Korea and Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse from Japan. We also tried to do, as you guys were talking about, some of the big, big tent, fun, everyone can enjoy it horror, like William Castle's House on Haunted Hill, where we flew a skeleton across the stage. It was very janky. People were very supportive of how janky it was, but it <laughs> it did fly. Yes. Uh, it was on a pulley. It did hop across. It looked like a frog skeleton, but it, <laughs> it got across. And uh, we did The Tingler uh, with Vincent Price. And then we, we tried to do really intense horror. I mean, I saw the devil is intense horror. Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me is intense horror. I was telling Connor of the two Stuart Gordons, both of which I hadn't seen, I did prefer Reanimator because I did find that Reanimator was more tonally consistently dark and funny to me. But 
I was saying, and I don't even know how you talk about it. I, I kind of want to talk to Barbara Crampton and just be like, God bless you. But that weird scene where she gets in leather, I, that to me, I mean, first of all, I, I do have to say it was kind of a hot scene for sure. And I have to be honest about that as a cisgender heterosexual male. I'll second it. But then also my thing is I felt like I wish the movie was more that like the, the movie seemed to be had this weird undercurrent about people who are trying to get in touch with their sexuality, but for one reason or another are taking these left turns and aren't able to fully embrace what sex can be. And I found that theme in From Beyond fascinating. I just kind of wish there was more of it for me. Connor showed me From Beyond either last year or earlier this year, and I went in with zero context and had the greatest time. What a treat. And the special effects are dope. Those iridescent flying fish things. I love the spoilers, but the fight between Jeffrey Combs and the Dr. Pretorius guy at the end, where they're both part of the same being and they're like fighting for control using the same giant lump of flesh. It's I don't even know if that is really like a spoiler because there's no way to even visually contextualize what I just said unless you've seen it and know what I'm talking about. That seems mind blowing. I just like I mean Barbara Crampton besides getting a Mamma Mia from this guy in that movie is also just killing it in that movie in terms of she gets so much stuff to do because I also love Reanimator but I really love From Beyond and I think part of it weirdly is I just like Barbara Crampton a lot and I like how much she's given to do in From Beyond as opposed to Reanimator, which is a kind of a more thankless part, I would say. But she's still great in in Reanimator. Yeah. And Reanimator has a really unsettling ending, which you should have seen coming. I thought Reanimator was just written beautifully. Let's see how many movies we can think of that are subgenres. So let's just try it out. Horror comedy. Someone shout one out. Shaun of the Dead. Boom. Okay. Horror satire. Mm. Scream. Horror parody. Scary movie. Horror drama. Don't look now. Horror uh, romance. Crimson Peak. Horror melodrama. Babe? What's that, babe? Did you say? <laughs> <laughs> the Talking Pig movie by George Miller. Uh, Deborah Carr in The Innocents. It's a ghost story, but it's also deals with sexual repression and the children. And there's something very heightened and melodramatic about it. What about horror sci-fi? Beast from 20,000 Pounds. Alien. The Thing. Okay, what about horror action? The Hitcher. Aliens. Deep Rising. Dawn of the Dead remake. What, what's a horror art film? Oh, uh, Eraserhead. Eraserhead. What about Raw? Does that qualify as a horror art film? You could almost slot... Titan into that maybe um, horror musical Phantom of the Paradise Rocky Horror Picture Show we ha we do have we did have one comment from Alan on our Facebook page this week he said that beyond Rocky Horror his two go-to movies for Halloween are the stylish The Hunger with David Bowie Susan Sarandon and Catherine Deneuve and Near Dark with Lance Henriksen and Bill Paxton Paxton was also in Aliens I also Almost forgot. I don't watch it every year, but a top favorite is Eastwood's Play Misty for me. Yes. Oh, that one's good. You should have that, Craig. You should have programmed it, but you didn't listen, man. You didn't listen. I actually tried to program just so that. Thank you very much, Alan, for your comments. And just so you know, I actually tried to program both Don't Look Now and The Hunger. I was going to cram that in, and we just couldn't find quality 35 prints in time. And I just wasn't going to show those two digitally. And The Hunger is a good example of almost like a neurotic horror film along with something like from beyond where is an area you think horror has not gone 
and maybe it's gone everywhere. I don't know. But where it's not gone that you think it could go. I was going to say politics. I was going to say politics, but they did that in The Omen 3, The Final Conflict. And what about They Live? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I forgot. What I... about our day-to-day life? <laughs> well, in a lot of satire <laughs> horror that's like Romero's stuff, his Of the Dead movies, especially... Uh, night and Dawn. Getting into politics. Yeah. Night... And Day. Day, day Land, too, even. Getting into sort of Bush era politics in the country oh that's right yeah uh, what am i talking about he, he really referenced abu Ghraib and gitmo and our our cia torture policy yeah i don't know i don't know where he can go i think i've got ideas i hope they're good and i can make them and maybe those are new but i don't want to say what they are publicly maybe the horror of the secret movie club uh, that's something to talk about it's interesting there's like a reticence i guess to depict real life things as horror because i think people look at horror as a not classy genre and people want to either respect the real tragedies that happen or alternatively they think that referencing a real thing in a movie makes it quote-unquote political and thus sort of unworthy of being accepted as art. Horror more and more as a genre, being able to deal with real things is probably the thing I'm most interested in going into the future, though it's a tricky line to cross. Well, it's interesting to see sort of the the move into stuff like didn't glee have like a school shooting segment at one point one of their seasons and so you have this sort of this like horrific thing that's sort of both a like issue in the country and also like a politically issue but that like network television shows are depicting as like kind of this horrific thing that has like a dramatic melodramatic spin to it that I feel like sometimes horror, it feels like when you have it in like a pure horror realm, it feels uh, exploitative, which I don't think is the intention. I think it's often trying to make a comment on it, but sort of that balance of how do you showcase this and can you be respectful while showing like, you know, how awful the situation could be type of thing. Can I just offer up, did anybody get to watch, does anybody just have a couple movies they want to shout out that were fun Halloween watches this year? I'm revisiting this Friday Thank you for the ticket, Edwin. You're welcome. Uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. At their Halloween hangover screening, they're actually calling that that too. That was a total, I did not steal that from them, nor did they from <laughs> me, which is the most Halloween-y movie ever made. I also got to make my friend Celeste, who doesn't really like horror movies that much. October is nice because you can kind of force people to watch horror movies more. Uh, we watched Trick or Treat and Spookies, which are both a blast. I would definitely recommend Spookies. Is, it would be a good one for next year and then for my movie night i was gonna say we watch this month we watch a lot of horror movies anyways but this month we specifically we watched ghost ship which sucked fright night which was really good dan Aykroyd's nothing but trouble which is a giant question mark and then for halloween the double feature we did was takashi miike's audition and Stephen Knight's Serenity. I saw a lot of good movies, a lot of good horror movies. One of my favorites was at the New Bev. It was a race with the devil. Honestly, I'd never seen this movie before, and when I just went in to watch it, I was blown away how great that movie is. It is now my, like, top-tier great Peter Fonda movie. So he's such a badass dude, especially with his glasses and his thigh and his hair. Dude, Peter Fonda can rock in anything. And him going up satanic worshippers in a road with a shotgun and an R and an R and B camper. I'm in, man. And it was a beautiful, clean 35 print, which got restored in 2007, I've been told. But uh, it was such a great movie, beautiful, and a very 
fucked up ending. I also revisited one of my favorite classic 50s uh, monster movies, The Beast from 20,000 Fathom, which I would desperately ask you, Craig, to program it. It is one of the best Ray Harryhausen pictures he's ever done. And it inspired me to watch monster movies. It's actually one of the first monster movies I've ever watched. So, ah, I love Beast. It was such a fun movie, especially that scene where a, a cop is like walking up to the monster. Just like old casual, you know, just like a giant monster. All right, I'll take it on. Starts shooting at it, and the next thing you know, gets eaten. Such a great time. Great movie. My big find this month was The Beyond from 1981. It's a Lucio Fulci movie about this hotel in Louisiana where stuff goes down that has some absolutely insane effects work in it. I also watched um, some of the Exorcist sequels and was really surprised by The Exorcist 3. It's basically just a police procedural. It's got horror roots. It feels kind of adjacent to like Science of the Lambs type of stuff with a, a possession theme. And I guess it's directed by the writer of the original book and who also wrote this. Uh, and it's like this very like, patient simmering beast that uh, stars George C. Scott and he's great in it and I was very impressed. I wish I could tell you that I watched all this horror outside of our own Halloween-a-thon. I will say that I did see uh, Curious George Halloween. Hell yeah. Yeah, my son wanted me to explain No Noggin, who turns out to be a squirrel that steals hats. That was a pleasant, happy surprise. Also, my son was watching a bunch of Scooby-Doo and he was asking me who the specter of Shadow Canyon was. And I was like, what? He's like, what is a specter? I'm like, well, it's another word for a ghost. What's a specter of Shadow Canyon? Have you been watching Scooby-Doo? Shaggy and Scooby went into Shadow Canyon. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, but but I'm a big fan of the horror omnibus film. Unfortunately, you know, Connor was talking about Trick or Treat. Almost by default, those movies, you know, Creep Show is a very famous example of it. Those movies don't work as well because Connor, I'm just stealing something you said, like some of the episodes are better than the others. So they don't they don't hang like just a through line horror movie. But I, I love the idea of it. And one of my favorites is Fellini's short film, Toby Dammit. And if people have never seen it, I think it may be the last great Fellini film. And I am a fan of Satyricon and I am a fan of Amaracord. But Toby Dammit was made with Terrence Stamp in the late 60s. It's the final film in a three-part omnibus called Spirits of the Dead. The other two were directed by Roger Vadim and Claude Charbol. I'm not really as big a fan of those other two, but they're all based on Edgar Allan Poe stories. And Fellini, of course, does this thing where he takes a story called Never Bet the Devil Your Head. Terrence Stamp plays this just drugged out, sexed out, coked out 60s British actor who comes to Rome to make a Catholic Western and he sees the devil in the airport, but the devil is a little girl and he basically becomes obsessed with this little girl and kind of reconnecting with the devil and they gift him this car, which is this just 1960s roadster and he ditches this award show and then for the next 15 minutes it is dialogueless, him just driving around the Italian countryside at night in this roadster it's trying to find the devil until he re-encounters her again one of the most unsettling horror films I've ever seen Scorsese was so profoundly moved by this movie that he literally took the little girl devil and put it in the last temptation of Christ I love this film I'm obsessed with this film people appropriate imagery from this film all the time check it out Toby damn it it's amazing happy Halloween happy Halloween happy something late 
Pop culture, final thoughts. After rediscovering Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, uh, I, I did the unthinkable. I did something that I never thought I would do in my life. I vowed never to watch it, but I did anyway. We bought a zoo. <laughs> Mama Mia, here we go again. No, no, I, I started watching uh, Twin Peaks. Yay! Yeah, right. I marked it down my letterbox, the first episode, because it's technically it's, it's a movie. And I got up to episode three. Knowing what I saw, I instinctively know who the killer is. And so far, it's pretty intense. It's weird. It's very Lynch. I don't know. Something weird about it that's driving me crazy. I want to know more about this. Like Yes, Edwin, you and about five million other people. Why does Lynch do that to people? Why does he want people to suffer and to know what the hell is wrong with this town? It's people, it's hidden secrets, like what, 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 the, what the hell is going on? Because he also wants people to know what the hell is right with that town. Can't have rainbow, the little rain. <laughs> That's fascinating though, so are you going to keep watching, Edwin? Yeah, I'm going to keep watching. Ty McLaughlin is weird. It's like, he's so happy what he's doing. I don't know why, it's, it's, it's bothering me. It's like, why do you act like this? you're supposed to be like a serious FBI agent? And he asked the question like, what, what, what kind of trees are those? They're terrific. And the guy said, the Douglas firs. Douglas firs. Interesting. It's just, I don't know. I don't think he's human. I think he's a freaking robot or something. And he goes into a hotel room with a whistle and he blows and he's like, I want answers. He's a pure soul. Just keep watching. Keep watching. By the way, I think Twin Peaks is one of the greatest things made in the last 50 years. So Yeah, same. I read... Jeff Loeb and Tim Sales knew Batman the Long Halloween special they put out. It's like a follow-up to their Long Halloween and Dark Victory comics. It's worth a read. Check it out. Especially, I love Tim Sales' artwork. I don't even know how to describe it. It's super vibrant, and I want to almost, like, insult it because it looks it looks very simple and, like, sketchy and sloppy, but in a way that works very, very well. And you can also watch me play video games at twitch.tv slash Connor Cruz. Last week, we have our second Edgar Wright film of 2021. He released the great Sparks Brothers documentary earlier this year, and he put out his Giallo-inspired Last Night in Soho, which I got to go see a few times in a few different formats. And it's probably his messiest movie. It still rips, but it's, it's very messy. I have a lot of good to say, and I think there's going to be, I think this will be his most like um, contentious release. I'm excited to kind of read some of the think pieces on this because it's, uh, it's, it's the first thing I think he's really trying to say some stuff and how you read into what he's saying, I think will be interesting because it's a lot about gender and identity and sex work and nostalgia and like the exploitation of young women all plotted within this sort of horror setting. Yeah, this is a longer conversation, but I like it less the more I think about it. On revisits, I've liked it more because once I've seen sort of what the se- how the setup plays into the payoff of the themes, I still don't think it's, it's all there, but I think it's what it's trying to do. I think as a filmmaker, it's so interesting to see him, this evolution from movie to movie. This, this feels like a right movie through and through, but also feels like a completely different beast like his voice is there but it is a different like thing and i think it's very interesting i'm, I'm curious to see sort of how it takes because i don't think it's performing super well at the box office no it isn't i mean i think baby driver's the only movie that he had that did so i would maybe say this is his most um like swinging for the fences thing like he's really throwing maybe too much but a little bit of everything to really capture i think the soul of the genre 
and also make it feel like his own thing. Talking about David Lynch and dreams and uh, weird things. I know I've said this before. I, not that I've ever talked to Mr. Lynch. I mean, he might actually say you misunderstand what I was trying to do. But if I understand, or at least the way I understand David Lynch's cinema, I also feel that when you dream, sometimes you're processing things. But I also do think you go somewhere else. I do believe in a transcendental view of dreams. I kept a dream journal. I go to the same places. I have a dream map. I go to the same houses, the same rooms, the same characters. There are through lines and then things change as I age and they're like messages and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's been fascinating to me. I felt like I've lived, you know, my life when I'm with you and then I close my eyes and I live my life in my dreams. And I haven't had tons of, of really vivid dreams because of my children I've been having uh, and not getting a lot of sleep. And for some reason, I had a super vivid dream last night that was really interesting to me where I was with my dad and I hadn't I hadn't had a dad dream in a while and it was my father and we were in this part of my dream world where my grandparents it's sort of like a Pacific Palisades beach but everything's much bigger the ocean is bigger the waves are bigger the mountains are bigger everything is sort of dream proportioned and I looked and there was this dolphin creature and then it looked like it died and a ship was towing it in and my dad said we've got to go there and so I went with my dad and when we got to it it turned out to be an orca whale and it was inflatable and my dad said we have to actually help deflate this and I, I felt really bad and I didn't want to do it but I, I wanted to kind of like cut out and I was like no I've got to do this and as we deflated it I noticed it had zippers on it and that inside was a man almost piloting this orca whale when we brought the man out he too was dying and there were all of these golden locks and he was telling us that the golden locks unlocked a way to go to the afterworld and come back but he wasn't able to do it. And uh, we looked at all of these locks, these sort of jeweled, gemmed, golden locks. And I looked at all of them. And my dad looked at me like he was trying to communicate something to me. And then I, I woke up. And uh, it was a very strange, beautiful dream that possessed. Well, it was great to be with my dad. In some of the dreams, my dad seems to be trying to communicate things to me. This one felt like it. I'm trying to still work it out. I just literally, that dream happened about seven hours ago. So I don't know if anyone wants to interpret that one. Sounds like Death Stranding. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then you, you you should really see Last Night in Soho if, if your, your subconscious and your dream links together is a thing you're interested in. All right. So uh, thank you guys, as always, for putting up with me using my pop culture to talk about my dreams. People's dreams bore everyone but the dreamer. But anyway, I was fascinated by it. It's uh, wonderful, as always. This episode was edited by our chief creative content officer, Connor Lloyd Cruz. Next week, Secret Movie Club Podcast 80 will be another piece of cinema. I think we're in the final stretch, guys. We're going to do two more, and our penultimate is on acting. So we're going to talk about acting, and then the final one will be about directing, which uh, we'll talk about when we get to it. But next week will be Secret Movie Club acting, so we will post something on that. We'd love to hear your comments and thoughts on acting and cinema. As always, you can write us at community at Secret movieclub.com. You can get tickets at Eventbrite Secret Movie Club. You can go to secretmovieclub.com to see everything we're doing. When you hear this podcast, we are going to be partnering with the Guadalajara Film Festival. Tonight, we are going to be showing Finlandia and Paris is Burning. Tomorrow, Backstreet to the American Dream. There's also going to be live performances, food trucks. It's going to be going off. So uh, come join us. Guys, thank you so much. It was a wild month. When you think about where we were going through 20 months of COVID, 
to 600 people watching horror movies on October 30th. We're not there yet. By any stretch of the imagination, as you just heard, we are enforcing a new policy where everybody has to show their vaccination cards or proof that they had a PCR negative COVID test within the last three days. We still have a long way to go, but it's still, we still have come a long way from a year ago. Virginia Slims. What's that? Come a long way, baby. Yeah, Virginia Slims. <laughs> so, I don't know, take a moment and sort of take stock of that. God willing, onwards and upwards. So thank you guys. Have a great week. I will talk to you next week. Bye, citizens. <laughs>